Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will ride the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. Welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as everyone joined by Holly. Hello. Happy Christmas, Holly. Happy Christmas. So this is our Christmas special, and we are doing one of the greatest Christmas films of all time, in my opinion, Gremlins, which was released on the... We're going to do UK release first, because this makes sense. It was released on the 7th of December... 1984 that makes sense right nice christmas film yeah lots of snow in yeah. it <laughs> well, i wouldn't say nice but yes uh, yeah. yeah in the usa however it was released on the 8th of june 1984 oh why was a christmas film released in summer yeah like i think i would have released it end of October mm. and maybe we had it a little too late you know. 7th of December uh you know like you said end of October beginning of November would be the ideal time getting the Christmas spirit I wonder if they put it back in the cinemas at Christmas time yeah I would imagine it was still showing by Christmas because mm. it was so massive and fun fact probably the only fun fact you're going to get it was released the same day as Ghostbusters what a weekend for cinema that was. Yeah. So this was a ride, but it wasn't a ride in a usual haunt of Orlando. It was a ride in Warner Brothers Australia and Warner Brothers Germany theme parks. And because it's our podcast, we can bend the rules when we like. Exactly. We needed a Christmas film. I wanted to do this one. All right. So I'll talk about the Australian one just because that popped up first. It opened on the 3rd of June, 1991, and it closed on 9th September, 2001, and it was replaced by the Scooby-Doo Spooky Coaster, which I don't know what it is, and I've never ridden either of them, but I'm damn sure I would rather be sitting with Gremlins and Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, I agree. So from what I can see on YouTube... Uh, you went and sat in a theatre and you watched kind of clips of other films, other Warner Brothers films, and then all of a sudden the screen flicks off, gremlins run out, and then you're ushered out of the theatre to escape on like a tram thing, and then you go and obviously gremlins have taken over the whole of the studio, and that was kind of the right... It looked, it looked pretty good. That's I was going to say, it sounds quite good, actually. Yeah, it did. it did look good. But sadly, we never got to experience it. Yeah. Mm. Maybe because it was made in 1984. <laughs> it's a classic <laughs> film, Holly. <sighs> Should bring it back. I'm amazed I haven't tried to remake Gremlins, actually. I was going to say they probably will. The only thing is that Spielberg, from what I gather, he doesn't tend to like remakes because I know that he's like you. Yeah, Spielberg is very similar to me in many ways. We both have an unhealthy session with E.T. And (laughs) we like to live in the past. I know that they they talked about remaking The Goonies and... He said, absolutely not. They've talked about remaking E.T. He said, absolutely not. So all the while he is walking this earth, I don't think it will be remade. What what would annoy you more, though, if a remake happened? Like, what would be worse for you? Like, Back to the Future or E.T.? Oh, God. But you have to choose one. This is, like, Sophie's choice. (sighs) Back to the Future would be worse. Oh, it would be worse. Oh. Back to the Future is the greatest film ever made, and it doesn't need to be touched. It's the best film ever made. E.T., I understand I have some childhood 
nostalgia that factors in a lot into my liking of it. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So you'd never seen it before until yesterday. No. I did see it as a child, which we we text a little bit back and forth, and it is ridiculous that this originally was a PG. Yeah. By the time I saw it, so I probably would have seen it the following year, about 85, I was seven. Why on earth I was allowed to watch this, I don't know. But I remember it never scared me. I I just used to laugh at it all the time. But I don't know if I laughed because my mum and dad were laughing. So I was like, oh, they Mm. seem to think it's fine. Now, you would never show this to a seven-year-old. You wouldn't. But, you know, I would say that obviously the gremlins are sort of scary and stuff, but they don't, and although they're not, like, you know, they're quite nasty, they they don't really seem that, I think it's more of the scenes of them being killed that is the horrific. Yeah, that's quite, yeah, that's quite The, the microwaving of a gremlin. That was the first time I'd ever seen a microwave as well. We was didn't, there? Yeah. I don't think we got a microwave till like the late 80s. I don't know if that was a UK thing or just my household. Did you, and you know, what were you like? What is that? Yeah, I just didn't know what it was. I was like, is that a telly? What is it? <laughs> That's what I take from this more than anything. That amazed me more than anything else that I saw a microwave. Well, that's probably why. Most most children were probably just in awe at the microwave, <laughs> just completely just, you know, missed the whole sort of the, the horror scenes, really. This was the reason that PG-12 got invented for America because there was a lot of backlash over it being PG and Spielberg yeah, yeah. created the certification PG-12, and it then wow. it then changed to that as the release went on. Maybe ready for Christmas. Maybe. Who knows? But I've got the DVD of it, and the DVD is a 15, so obviously over the years right. it's, it's been changed. It's crept up. Yeah. I think 15's fair. Yeah, I think, I think 12 would probably be, you know, all right. Mm, maybe. It starts off in uh, Chinatown. We see a dad who's like a travelling salesman looking for a present for his son. He's trying to sell some portable toiletry set, isn't he? To some weird old man behind a counter. I thought it was a bit weird, really, because I just thought, I mean, obviously he was desperate because no one wants his awful inventions. But I just thought, you know, look around. Is this the sort of shop that is going to really, you know, is, is that? invention going to thrive in a shop like mm, that mm. although it was quite a good invention for the time do you not think it was quite a handy little unit wasn't it not really no oh, okay and I was a bit like when he said he was looking for a child well obviously at that point I didn't know how, how old the child was but I was a bit like I don't know why you just wouldn't go to like Macy's and buy a present yeah I think it leads you to believe that that the child is a lot younger because he's of working age. He's minimum 16, 17, I would have said. Yeah. Because he's driving. I thought we were going to see a, a like a seven-year-old. Mm. Yeah. In the shop, he finds this cute little creature called a mogwai and the shopkeeper refuses $200 for him. Probably would have been a lot of money then, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would have thought so. $200, probably at least double that. I didn't really know why the shopkeeper had it in the shop, though, if we weren't allowed to buy it. Should have just kept him in his flat or something. Even just behind the counter would have done. Agreed. So the shopkeeper explains that he comes with much responsibility and he can't sell him at any price. So don't have him out. (laughs) In a shop. (laughs) Yeah. On the shop floor. He was cute, though. You know, like his little like hands and feet. Are oh cute. my god, I loved Gizmo. So Gizmo is the name of the Mogwai. Everyone knows that, surely. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I just adored him. I had a little Gizmo, like cuddly toy. Because you could buy Furbies of him, couldn't you? The Furby was invented after Gizmo. I mean, I would say that the Furby copied Gizmo. Yeah, but then you could buy a Gizmo Furby. Could you? Did- yeah, I'm sure you can. Have you been looking it up? 
yeah there's one here oh. <laughs> maybe maybe you can get one for christmas carla i won't be getting it for you i'll send it to you okay. uh oh this one seems to be quite pricey though maybe ask people to sort of you know chip in this one says it's five hundred dollars I mean, would you like to donate towards getting me a gizmo or? No, I'm sorry, Carl. I've got a house to buy now. So otherwise I would oh, have. Okay, fair enough. That damn house. <laughs> well, let's see what this looks like then. Oh, he doesn't look very cute there though, Holly. <laughs> well, you know. Oh, I definitely don't recommend buying that one. I found one in a shop the other day and I sent you a picture of it and he looked way cuter there. And I think that was only, you know, twenty pounds or something. Yeah, but he probably doesn't do anything, does he? Don't need to do anything. He just sits there looking cute. I know, but that one you probably could, you know, like feed and stuff, and it probably make noises. If you fed him, would Gremlin spurt out of his bottom? <laughs> Maybe for that money, I would expect it to. Right, so he walks out of the shop and the old man's grandson follows him and sells him Gizmo on the sly. He's told the, the rules, which is keep him out of sunlight, don't let him get wet, and whatever you do, never, never feed him after midnight. We had a question about this, actually, because I made Adam watch this film with me. Mm. And one of Adam's questions, which quite rightly, he was like, I just would have wanted a little bit more instruction of um, you can't feed him after midnight. But when can you feed him again? I wondered about time zones because obviously America's very big. So yes. midnight on the east to the west. So, yes, I agree with you. I would I would need slightly more clarification than that. I think that the, yeah. the man was just kind of thinking, oh, what's the worst that can happen? What I would have been good, just if they do remake, mm -hmm. is if they say don't feed after midnight, um, you know, only when the sun rises he can eat again. That would have been quite a nice bit of, you know, some clarity. Okay, okay. Well, you know, when Spielberg's grandson, after he's gone, remakes this film, Maybe you can listen to this podcast and take some of yours and Adam's ideas on board. Yeah. We see the town. Did you recognise the town? I was going to say the town looked very similar to where Back to the Future was filmed. It is exactly the same town that Back to the Future was filmed in. This should be your Christmas gift, Carla, that you've taught me something. How amazing is that? You recognised it. You didn't even prompt me no. and I wrote that down. The bank where he works was later Cafe 80s in Back to the Future 2. Oh. Yeah. So, well, actually, this kind of ties in that it is in Universal Studios then, in the LA bit, because you, you see part of this on the Backlot Tour. Ah, oh, there we go. Phew. Don't have to talk about the Australian one. I didn't need to even go through it. <laughs> that was a waste. We then see Billy who is the son and his dog and the car won't start so they walk to work which is a bank now why is the dog at the bank i didn't understand this i had a lot of questions about this because the mum didn't seem to work no and in those days that was very usual that the mum wouldn't wouldn't always work so there was no reason why the dog couldn't be there with her Exactly. And then my other thing was, which a little bit later on, I think someone makes reference to the fact that Billy is sort of like looking after his family. Mm. You know, like he's sort of, you know, the, the, the bread yeah. maker, whatever it's yeah, called. Breadwinner. Um, breadwinner, that's it. It just made it seem weirder that the dad would be spending $200 on a, on a present for him. I think the dad seems like quite a reckless character. He really does. Yeah. He's a hindrance to that family. Yeah. We then see, uh, is it Mrs. Deagle I've written? It is Mrs. Deagle, yeah. We see Mrs. Deagle refusing to help a woman. The woman's asking her for a let on money because it's Christmas and she doesn't care. I mean, we've kind of had this before. I, you know, I don't like Mrs. Deagle, obviously, but I, I don't think the excuse it's Christmas can be used. We all know when Christmas is coming. Put some money aside throughout the year. You know, why, why Why should people get a let? Because it's Christmas. It just seems astonishing to me. Or, you know, teach your children that, you know, it's not all about 
presence, you know, physical presence, you know, the fact that you've got each other is more important. Yeah. And I'm sure that if your mum had said that to you, you would have been really on board with that. (laughs) I completely would. (laughs) Whilst writing my extensive Christmas list. (laughs) I do the same message in, in all of them that someone is a baddie just because they they want money owed to them yeah and what happens if we do that to everybody they wouldn't have any money and there would be no bank well this is the thing that eventually someone else's money will run out and then where will we be yeah this is meant to be a light-hearted christmas podcast happy christmas everyone She complains to Billy that the dog broke her snowman and she says she wants to kill his dog. So obviously, you know, she's completely mental. It seems an over-the-top reaction. Why does she care about a snowman and to go around threatening to kill dogs? That that seems quite extreme. It does. Hmm. Just take, you know, just say you owe me, I don't know, $600 or however much that snowman would be. Yeah. Probably not $600. That seems quite an expensive snowman. Where do you buy your Christmas decorations? I'm just saying I'd have a markup because, you know, I had to get rid of the old one and I had to buy a new one that close to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking of interest rates. Yeah. Understood. So then uh, Barney the dog runs out and attacks her. We cut to the bar. Yeah. And Billy's smarmy colleague, who is Judge Reinhold, which I know won't mean a lot to you, but he was huge in the 80s, so I'd imagine this was one of his first roles because he went on to star in loads of other stuff, tries to flirt with Kate, who is uh, Billy's friend. I don't know if she's girlfriend. Is she girlfriend? No, but I think there's, there's something going on. Or, you know, about to. Then it cuts back home. Billy's in the kitchen with his mum and she's down about Mrs Deagle wanting to kill their dog, blah, blah, blah. So this bit, though, she is watching the TV while chopping mm. something and I on like I was just very concerned for her fingers. <laughs> she's watching the TV but, like, watching it really intently. I think, you know, mums of the 80s, they could do that kind of stuff, you know, multitasking, I think. I don't think you should have been concerned. If me or you tried to do that, we would definitely lose all of our fingers immediately. Then the dad comes home and I couldn't believe that he gave him a wrapped up gift, fully wrapped. Now, that's a living creature in that. (laughs) Well, and also the thing which was weird is that he lets Billy like shake it and shake it quite vigorously and then goes, oh, don't shake it. Yeah. So Billy goes, oh, is it a birdcage? And then shakes it. Well, it'd be a dead bird in there if it was. And then goes, is it a puppy? Yeah. Oh, is it a puppy? Let me shake it some more. Mental. And he's the breadwinner. <laughs> yeah. No wonder Thingy's junior vice president at 23. (laughs) That's his competition. So um, the dad says that they need to dim the lights first. Wouldn't you have gone, right, sit down, there's some ground rules here. Yeah, yeah. And then go, right, now open it. Agreed, agreed. But he doesn't. Reckless man. Yeah. And then... It's so adorable when Gizmo pops out. Mm. Oh, too cute. The little the little paws or whatever, hands. Too cute. So the mum then takes a picture and the flash scares him. And that is the point where she, he should have said no. No, I know, I know. Like prior to that, because then Gizmo runs off to the dad, which is so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the dad explains the rules of the of a mogwai, and I've written here about midnight time difference in America, which we said earlier. Mm-hmm. Billy is playing with Gizmo, and then he makes him fall, so he bandages his head up. <laughs> it feels astonishing. 
he clearly shouldn't be in charge of any kind of living thing because he like either shakes them to death or just lets them fall over and just puts this weird bandage on his head. I don't know. It was just very odd. We then cut to the next morning and we see yet another invention that Dad made, which is a juicer, which isn't working. And Corey Feldman arrives. Hopefully you recognise him. What was he in? Was he in the Goonies? Yes, he was in the Goonies. This was the year before the Goonies, so he grew up quite a lot in a year because he was quite a small boy here. And he arrives at their Christmas tree. And I've written... Uh, Corey and Billy hang out. Why are they hanging out? I didn't get that. This boy is about nine years old. Why is he hanging out with Billy in his bedroom? It's very strange. It was. I mean, he, if he was a cousin or, you know, there, there was a reason for him being there, but he was just the kid that delivered the Christmas tree. Yeah, like, again, we could have had reference to him being like, Billy, your cousin's here. Yeah. Corey then spills water on Gizmo. I mean, you know, ridiculous. The only thing he was told not to do. Gizmo's in pain, and this is quite gruesome. He starts birthing furballs that kind of shoot out from, like, his bum and back area. And quite a lot of them. Loads. And they appear to be baby mogwais, but they're not, they're not kind of as friendly as Gizmo, they notice. Yeah, they're a little bit more evil. One of them bites mm. him. Yeah. And then you see Gizmo shaking his head in dismay. He's like, who caught me with these idiots? Three revolves. Seriously, guys. Honestly, I've got a bandage. Now I've given birth. <laughs> and I've, you know, been away from home for like a day. We see that there's one with a mohawk, which is the leader that's then called Stripe. Yes, yeah. What's interesting, though, is like none of the other gremlins sort of pay any attention to Gizmo, really, do they? They don't seem to, like, respect Gizmo as, like, their, well, I don't know, father. Dismiss him as if, like, he's a bit of a, an idiot. Like, later on, they, they're a bit nasty to him. But, like, throughout, they're not really, it's like he's just not there. Yeah. Like, that's worse. You know, they, they literally have just not even acknowledged his existence. Pure disdain for him. Yeah. So the dad's all excited when he sees all of these mogwais and thinks that every kid in America will want one. I actually thought that was his best idea. To sell them? Yeah. All of his inventions, I thought that was his best. In the middle of the night, Billy finds Barney, the dog, hanging up by the Christmas lights. And uh, they assume it's Mrs. Deagle. Which is fair enough. Yeah, you would. You would. Um, but the dad assures them he definitely locked up, so it can't have been her. But he said that he will take Barney away to Billy's nan to keep him safe. Billy starts dropping water on Gizmo on purpose with his old science teacher as like an experiment to see what will happen. No, he uses one of the others because he uses one of those and then they put him in the cave. Yes, you're right. Yes, I apologise. Kate is talking to Billy, saying that not everyone is happy over the holidays. He's very insensitive here. I mean, obviously, we find out that it's an hilarious reason later that she doesn't like Christmas. But he's kind of very insensitive. It could have been, you know, something quite... Well, it was disturbing what happened to her. But, you know, (laughs) he doesn't seem to... He's like, what? Someone doesn't like Christmas? What? What? Yeah, and it's like, you know, you're you're young, but you're not that young. Like, you know, I'm guessing, actually, because he was in the bar, so actually early 20s. And, mm. you know, to be that old and then just sort of be like, I didn't know people didn't like Christmas. Yeah, you're right. He was in a bar. You have to be 21 to be in a bar in America. The guy that came in and said, well, I'm junior vice president at 23. It made me mm. think that maybe he was at school with him. Maybe, yeah. I think yeah. Billy's 23. If Billy's 23 and he's hanging around with a nine-year-old Corey Feldman, Gizmo is the least of his worries. So the science teacher starts taking blood from the Mogwai. He was nasty then. Yes, he was. He was like, oh, I hope it doesn't hurt. But, you know, he looked like he wanted it to hurt. Yeah. Nasty man. Mm -hmm. The Mogwais at Billy's are asking him for food. 
and he looks at the clock and it's 11.30, so he thinks, okay, I'll feed them. It's 20 to 12. Firstly, I mean, you know, maybe you don't have a watch on, whatever. How would you just be that sort of unaware of the time? And why are you Mm. eating a sandwich at 20 to 12 (laughs) at night? Because it wasn't 20 to 12, Carla. It was actually 20 past two. So at 20 past two, he was eating a sandwich and didn't know. (laughs) And it just felt a bit strange that he would just be having a snack at 20 past two in the morning, but think it was half 11. (laughs) Yeah, fair. I also just had a little question about what do the gremlins do all day? Probably like plotting what they're going to do later, maybe. True, maybe. He goes and gets some chicken and they eat it very, very quickly. And disgustingly. And then he offers some to Gizmo, but Gizmo says no. Because he's a good boy. He knows the rules. I think Gizmo at that point should have just made a little noise to alert Billy. I think Gizmo's just given up and just thinks I'm just surrounded by idiots here. Maybe. Don't get me involved in this. The next morning, Billy alerts his mum to a load of gunky, cocoon-looking things in his room that the Mogwais have turned into. Before that, we see the science teacher. Oh, okay. Who, at 20 past two, is also having a snack of a sandwich. Mm -hmm. And then at 20 past two, eats half his sandwich and then decides it's the right time for him to, say, call it a night and leave (laughs) (laughs) mid-sandwich. Because then one of the gremlins gets the rest of the sandwich and eats it. So again, I don't know what it is about people that live in this town that enjoy snacking on sandwiches at 20 past two in the morning. Mm-hmm. And why the, the, the science teacher decided halfway through his snack was the appropriate time to call it a night. <laughs> Finish your snack or don't start. <laughs> so the, the mum rushes up to, to Billy's room and they realise that the clock has been pulled out of the wall, so he was tricked into feeding them after midnight. It's like, come on, Billy, wake up. Yeah. They take the cocoon to the science teacher. Later on, we see that it starts to hatch in the room. So the ones that they've left, they only take one there, the ones that they've left start to hatch. And Gizmo is like, he's bricking it at this point, isn't he? He's like, oh my God. And then the science teacher also, his one's hatched, hasn't it? Because then he has to cut open all the wires or whatever of the cage. Correct, yeah. And then it's strange because then what happens is the science teacher calls Billy Mm. and says it's hatched or whatever he says. But rather than Billy thinking, oh no, there's 10 at home. Mm. He goes straight to the science teacher. Yeah, and the science teacher is trying to coax the, the gremlin out with a chocolate bar. Yeah, and I just thought, why would he want a chocolate bar? And do you know that that's safe for them to... They don't know what this is. And we already know, you know, dogs can't eat chocolate bars, for instance. A cat probably wouldn't want to eat a chocolate bar. You don't, you know, it just seems like an odd item to try and coax mm. an animal that you're not sure what it is out with. It's an odd choice. The only reason you'd use a chocolate bar is to coax a child out with. Yeah. I wouldn't even really choose it for an adult. No, it's, it's very, very strange. And then we hear a scream and Billy arrives, the teacher's dead and he was horrible anyway, so no sympathy for him. And he sees that the Mogwai has turned into a gremlin. And at that point, Billy should have gone, oh, no, my mum is at home with 10 of these and ran. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Yes. No, not his first thought. Uh, back in the room, Gizmo is tied up to uh, the dartboard. They finally paid attention to him. And um, it wasn't good, was it? No. The mum hears noises and goes up to the room with a knife. Meanwhile, the gremlins have put a record on in her living room, showing the age of the film there. And uh, one is eating in the kitchen. And then this is where it goes from being, you know, kind of a family-friendly film into a full-blown horror film, where she then proceeds to blend one of them up in the juicer. She stabs another and blows one up in the microwave. 
I really like how they how the gremlins like you know they really throw everything don't they mm. Mm. like plates you know you name it they put up a fight they really do in the living room while he's hiding in the Christmas tree and starts strangling her that was awful that one <laughs> was that Stripe yeah that is his name because he's like the biggest psycho out of all of them yeah he is and he's the one that you can still buy like action figures of because he's uh, cool, isn't he? If you like that thing. Maybe it's just me. So then Billy eventually arrives home, throws one of them into the fire. So have another ghastly ending. Drive skates through the window. And Billy takes his mum to the neighbours to keep safe. And he finds Gizmo in the laundry vent. He puts Gizmo in his backpack and follows the gremlins footprints into the snow to the YMCA and Billy gets attacked and a gremlin falls into the swimming pool. All you need, more water. More gremlins. Yeah. He goes to the police and they just laugh at him. This is where is it when Gizmo's holding the flag? When they're in the police station, they're like, oh, he's so patriotic. Yeah. So meanwhile, they're they're running riot. They're on the TV aerial. Then they're driving a snowplow into a house. They're Mm. in the post box. They're changing the traffic lights. Say it, Carla. Chaos ensues. Absolutely it does. It's the Christmas special. We couldn't go without saying it. What I did note was, though, how did they hatch? so quickly because before they went into like a cocoon state and it took a day Mm. whereas now they seem to be as soon as they're multiplied they're hatching maybe though it was like the evil one which was reproducing maybe it misses the hatching stage who knows but they're everywhere at this stage they are we go to mrs deagle's house and this is the stair lift infamous scene (laughs) Because actually, the gremlins, apart from doing that to her chair, they didn't really do anything. I mean, I get that's the big thing, but, you know, all they did was sing carols. Yeah, so she opens the door and they've got, like, these little costumes (laughs) from God knows where. And they're dressed up as carol singers. That's what they've been doing then in the days. They've been making costumes. They've been plotting what they're going to (laughs) do. It's amazing. They're very good costumes. So when she opens the door, they then attack. And basically, if you haven't seen it, I'd be amazed if you haven't seen it. They kind of do something to her stair lift. She gets on it and she flies out of her roof. And and, literally out, like out of the building. Yeah. And uh, I was saying to Holly that my mum has a stair lift now. And she always mentions the gremlins each time she gets on it. Waiting for the day when you do it. Yeah. On edge. To be fair, I do often think it is a bit of a waste that we can't at least give it a go. Yeah, we'll at least crank up the speed a bit, because I'd imagine it does go slow. Very slow, very slow. I mean, even, like, what, 10 miles an hour could be quite fun. I mean, I'll I'll ask her if she's up for it. I don't think she will be. Mm. No Christmas spirit, that woman. (laughs) Yeah. The police, in the meantime, watch a bloke get attacked. So they obviously kind of know something's going on. But they don't really know what, do they? No. We then go to the bar scene, which you text me about. So this was the bit that you were just like, what is going on? I really didn't know what was going on. So, you know, in the bar scene, obviously, all of the evil gremlins are there. Sort of, you know, propping up the bar, three cigarettes in one mouth, um, Mm -hmm. drinking. So I have a few points in this scene. One, Billy's girlfriend, love interest, is at the bar. She works there and, and doesn't just run out and leave them. She's continuing to serve them. <laughs> Doesn't find this odd that these creatures are in there. Just she's just getting on with her job. That is dedication. Doing her yeah. thing. She's doing all of that. Second thing, they seem to really be necking back the alcohol, the gremlins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought they couldn't have water. Um, yeah, good point. So, I don't know if they can consume it, but yeah, no, that's a fair point. So that is a bit weird. And then mm. 
it gets really strange when one of them sort of flashes her. Yeah, he's got like a, a little miniature rain back on. <laughs> and again, this was originally a PG. He flashes her and you see him. And then he kind of does a dirty laugh. It was great growing up in the 80s. And then, Carla, I really, I really was like, I, I don't understand what's happening right now. When they're sat around the table and they're playing cards, and one of them, mm. to be fair, he looks like he's dressed up as E.T. when E.T. dresses up. Mm. Um, but I don't think that was, I don't think that was a reference to that. And then another one gets two puppets out mm. and starts doing some sort of weird puppet show. The whole thing was weird. I mean, it's just this was my favourite scene when I was a kid. I don't, I'm not sure I even picked up on the flash a bit. I might add, but when you see that one of them is like on the on the ceiling fan, just swinging round and round, and then you've got one that's got leg warmers on doing break dancing. Yeah, I just loved this scene as a kid. I just found it hilarious, and it didn't disappoint when I watched it again. It's brilliant because it's so mental. Why? Who even thought? Of this? And the thing which really makes me laugh is like people, you know, like proper, like adults, you know, like very sort of respected sort of, you know, Steven Spielberg, all these people, they'll be sat around and they'll be like, right, I've got an idea. Why don't we have this scene where we have one of them who's got leg warmers on, one of them is doing this weird puppet show. Let's have one flash. You know, <laughs> and they're like, like, yeah. just all sat around the room and be like, that sounds really great. Let's do that. It's crazy. So then Kate kind of realises that she's losing a battle here trying to serve them. Finally. Yeah, I mean, duh. And one one of them asks her for a light and then she realises they don't like uh, the light from the, from the flame. So yeah. she gets her Polaroid out yeah. and manages to escape by just flashing the, the camera at them. Wouldn't you then have been like, oh, they, he doesn't like light? So wouldn't you just go ran to the door and <laughs> just turn the light on? That would have solved the problem for all of them. Just manically taking pictures. I mean, you're like, I just would go over and turn the main light on. I was like, I'd have just burnt the bar down. Oh, okay. Well, seems extreme. <laughs> so she starts to, and this is a weird time for her to start to tell Billy why she dislikes Christmas. The town is invaded by these monsters that are attacking everything well and this is when she decides to give her heart to heart as to why they walk into the bank don't they yes but they walk into the bank and then billy says they've been here too and it's like yes obviously the place is in disarray yeah you're under attack yeah and then she decides to tell the story of why she doesn't like christmas so it turns out (laughs) She doesn't like it because her dad was stuck up the chimney or down the chimney, whatever way you want to look at it, dressed as Father Christmas and... Broke his neck. He, he broke his neck. He was dead. And they were waiting for him to come home. And all that time, he was he was in the chimney. But he died straight away. He snapped his neck. He did. Quick. Knew, they knew something was up there. They, there was a horrible smell, wasn't there? They lit the fire and there was a nasty smell. And they yeah. thought it was going to be a bird. Yeah, turns out it's the awesome. dad. Mm. Big chimney probably has a lot of money then, because you know how big that's got to be for it to fit a... a a full grown man. Yeah, I don't know if that story was meant to be funny. I, I really presume it was because the whole film is tongue in cheek. It's got to have meant to have been a bit funny, surely. It's not just me and you that find that funny. <laughs> I don't know, maybe we'll find out. We'll find out from the backlash or we'll start, you know, getting tagged in loads of, you know, real-life stories where people have been stuck up the chimney. Oh, no. But everyone knows that, I mean, like, even when you go back to the old days, kids used to go up chimneys because they're small. Yeah. Like, you didn't have adult people going up chimneys. That's why chimney sweeps used to have the apprentices, the kids that used to shinny up the chimneys like has he been up there before where he knows there's little like foot sort of wells where he can quickly get down 
Because you know the other thing is like it's all very well and good you get up there and then what you you go down and and you know how do you navigate your way down there? You know because you could have got um, up and gone straight down and and you know snapped your neck in the fireplace, couldn't you? It, you know, it was a bad idea. And also stop. it's it was. You know, were they in the living room at the time? Would they not have heard? I don't know. Because if you weren't in the living room, it becomes pointless for you to come down the chimney. <laughs> Imagine if he'd actually succeeded. And he's like, I just came down the chimney, like, oh, we didn't see. Do it again. That is so true. <laughs> okay. So then we get on to the second best scene in the film when they're in the cinema. Again, it's so mental. <laughs> so they're watching Snow White, which I don't know how they managed to get the copyright of showing that because you actually do see the, the, the proper Disney yeah. film. On the they must have paid a lot of money to get that. Do you also not think, like, I literally couldn't think of anything worse. And, you know, if I'd been out drinking and mm. smoking, going to watch Snow White. <laughs> well, they seem to love it. Well, they do. There's the, the gremlin with the popcorn on his ears. He had yeah. popcorn tubs on his ears. They were proper loving that film. So they're running riot in, in the cinema, and Billy goes underneath and tampers with the gas pipe and then sets it on fire. So they're all blown up, except Stripe. He, he went out to get snacks during yeah. the film eating all the snacks so he managed to escape being blown up he's on a skateboard going right. around the, the the store yeah so they're in a department store yeah and he's um he's skating around and billy and kate have a have a kiss again ridiculous timing yeah not appropriate you just would be like can we just wait we then see the nod to et we do which was lovely I mean, literally, it's like, you know, this must have been just, you know, your Christmas heaven. <laughs> that Back to the Future, E.T., Steven Spielberg, all rolled up into this wonderful Christmas delight for you. It's great. I love it. It's a, um, now, I did I did read, and I don't know if this is true, I did read that the, uh, the, pers- the writer or whatever Steven Spielberg isn't, so producer, I don't know if he's the director, whatever, wanted at this point then to have like a cute scene where he's hiding behind E.T. and then he rips E.T.'s head off. Oh, but old Stephen said no, did he? Stephen would not allow that. He's got a real obsession with E.T. I mean, he's the one that is the reason that E.T. is still in Universal Orlando because he's told them if they take it out, they're not allowed the right to any of his future films I've heard on the grapevine and I for one am with him oh of course I mean if if there's ever the rumor that it's going I mean it wouldn't surprise me you'd be straight on a flight you know lying down a bit like you know what the climate when they're sort of you know protesting against climate change <laughs> you'd be doing that outside ET with Stephen <laughs> yeah just the two of you so then we, we cut to a battle between Stripe and Billy. Meanwhile, Gizmo races over in a little toy car. <laughs> just as Kate turns some lights on. But Stripe, because he's naughty, he's spotted some water. Carla, do you know, actually, just going back, there was a bit before where after the E.T. toy, when he's hidden, Stripe's hidden behind that, we see a scene where Stripe is on a little tricycle coming along Mm -hmm. and I just thought maybe that was the inspiration for Jigsaw on the Saw films I've never seen the Saw films do you know who Jigsaw is no I'll send you a photo okay that's just me trying to be a little bit trying to relate films there it might not be try to justify why we've got a film podcast you mean (laughs) yeah yeah look (laughs) I added something Okay, have you texted it to me? I'm going to send it to you now. Look, it is a bit scary, okay? He's disgusting, I'll admit. Oh. But let me send it to you. It just reminded me. And he sort of he sort of goes along creepily 
goes along on this tricycle. Oh, I do know this geezer. Yeah, I know him. This geezer. Yeah, I know this guy. He's in Fort Park. I know him. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't realise. I didn't know his name. I wasn't on first name terms with him, but I know. Jigsaw he is. Okay. okay, fair enough. Yeah, it could be. So Gizmo arrives, the lights turn on. You got the gross scene of gremlins dying. Oh, that was awful. Yeah. Dad and Barney arrive. Finally. Doesn't seem shocked at all by what what he's found. The fact that the town is completely destroyed. The cinema's on fire. (laughs) Don't care about that. I mean, there's literally cars in every building. Yeah. Seems quite nonplussed by the whole thing. Agreed. We go uh, back to their house. Gizmo's being looked after, but the old man comes back for him. And basically says, you're not ready. And I, I told you that. Yeah. You know, they, they, they you have a great responsibility and you couldn't handle it. He's coming home. Yeah. I used to cry at the end of this when I was little, when Gizmo says goodbye to Billy, because I didn't understand why he couldn't stay with Billy. I thought it was like, it was like, watching E.T. all over again when he goes home. So this used to really upset me. But now I'm very pleased he went home because yeah. obviously, you know, these people are idiots and can't look after him. Agreed. The dad gives him a present, doesn't he, the old man? Oh, yes, he gives him one of his inventions. And the old man says, oh, I've seen one of these before, the guy in the you know, the gas station tried to give it to me, but the old yeah. man leaves on foot. <laughs> So, what was he doing in the gas station? This is what you bring to the party. You don't need to worry about film references. You bring stuff like that that no one else has ever picked up on. So, I have to give credit to Adam for that. He noticed that. Maybe we can change co-hosts next year. (laughs) So, this was the first time you'd seen it? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? It was all right. You know, there was a lot of it I didn't really, I didn't understand the need of this sort of love interest person. Mm -hmm. You know, again, there's a lot of outstanding questions I have. You know, why was he hanging around with that young child? The the guy who said he was the vice president and drank vodka martini. I mean, we never saw him again, did we? No, no. I just didn't understand. There's a lot of characters where nothing really... It didn't go very far with them. I wonder if it was originally like supposed to be quite a longer film and a lot ended up on the cutting room floor because it mm. did sit because it is a short film. Okay, well, that's not a bad summary from you, to be fair. I expected worse. Mm. I'll take that. I'm happy with that, that it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was better than last year when we had to watch The Grinch That Stole Christmas. That was awful. <laughs> that still is one of the worst films I've ever, ever watched. Yeah. So we've had a few shout-outs, not as many as you'd think. Again, we can never predict it. The last one that went out was Hunchback, and we had like about 15 shout-outs for it. And who even remembers the Hunchback? Yeah. And then this stone-cold classic of a Christmas film, only a handful. But this know. is the thing sometimes, Carla, you know, when they are, you know, as you say, just this classic, you know, no one has anything to say apart from good. Yeah. At Vicky Bruce Lee says, "Bloody love it." Of course she does. Why wouldn't you? Is she the? Is she your friend? Do you have film nights with? She is. Yeah. Oh, well done. Mm, you've probably forced her to, you know, forced her to watch it so many times. She just has to enjoy it. <laughs> she was cross with me because I watched it without her. Oh. And she was like, "I can't believe you watched it without me." So then she came round and we watched the Goonies to make up for it. Oh, is that why you watched The Goonies? Yeah, because I watched Gremlins without her, so, you know, I made up for it, though. I don't know what's worse. <laughs> you do. You hate The Goonies. I do. I really do. And it upset her greatly when I was telling her about that. She was like, I had to turn that episode off, Carla. She couldn't even listen to it. You upset her that much. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> you got your friend, Lyle, who says... I love the gremlins, and they were just a fun species that ate fried chicken, drank beer, and knew how to have a good time. When he puts it like that, he makes a point. I mean, he sells it to you, doesn't he? (laughs) 
he just misses out, you know, them shooting people, but that's yeah. fine. Details. But were they only shooting people that tried to stop them from having a good time? Yeah, probably. Will from Hey Down in Front, who does our trailer vocals, hello Will, says, what kind of dork gets stuck in a chimney? Yes. Fair point. And the All Seeing Guys podcast, which is a great show, and you should go and check them out, says, I watch this every Christmas time, sit in a movie marathon with my mates, full of Christmas horrors, and Gremlins is always a lot of fun. So there you go. It's a tradition for many people. Not you. Yeah, no. <laughs> now maybe it can be. No, I don't think so. No. You don't like the obvious Christmas films anyway. We've talked about this. You don't like Home Alone. No. I find that weird because that's kind of the ultimate Christmas film in my eyes. The ultimate modern Christmas film, put it that Again, way. though, you know, that is just so ridiculous. It was written by the same person that wrote Gremlins, just FYI, it was Chris Columbus that wrote both. He directed uh, a Harry Potter film, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. He did lots, he's done loads of films. I think he did Mrs Doubtfire as well. Oh. So quite a lot of family classics. Do you know what we should do again, Carla? We should do those, you know, where we choose two films to be made into a ride. Well, you have these great ideas, Holly, but will you, well, one, will you turn up for the podcast? And two, will you actually think of any rides? Because last time you said that I thought of your ride for you. No, I will because I'll, I'll be bold. Okay, well, you have a think. So is there anything you would like to add on the Gremlins? Oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, nothing from me. Okay, so you can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films, on Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast, or you can email us, themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. And we're also the proud craze of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. If you head to Britpod Scene on Twitter, all of the shows we retweet are the shows that we endorse. So thank you very, very much for listening this year uh, and for your loyalty. We know we haven't put out as many shows. We've tried to keep it monthly. We nearly got there. Every time you keep talking, it's just like, you know, you're just digging me out. <laughs> we we promise we will try. And when we say we, we of course mean Holly. Yeah. Maybe we'll just do our, you know, annual summer break. Okay, yeah. Holly liked it that we took the summer off. So maybe we'll do that. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So thank you very, very much for listening. Have a very happy Christmas and we will see you in the new year. Bye. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.